0: allow just a little bit ago, but I'll do it again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good one. Amen and amen. All right. If you'd like to just open up your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to be reading out of verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read the whole chapter. We're going to go through the whole chapter this morning. It's it's very practical. It's very simple down to earth. Paul has already been talking to us in chapter 8 of of the grace of giving. He's shared with us that giving is an act of worship. He's shared with us that there is this grace of giving, and and as we give, it's it's graceful because God gave. And and so in chapter 9, he just kind of, puts it all together and he says, you know, here's some of the benefits of giving. Here's some of the things that will will happen because you are faithful and you are obedient and you are doing what God has given you. Now, if you're listening to me for the first time, please understand and know that when it comes to giving or tithing or what the church ought to do as far as uh, the finances and all, I very rarely ever preach on giving or tithing. As a matter of fact, I never sense the need for it our church has always been very generous our church has always been very giving and loving and so therefore uh it is challenged as uh as it comes up like for instance these last few weeks this is the third week and it's two chapters that we've been we've been going over it's 39 verses that talks about giving and so therefore i am at a point now where i will give and i will i'll share with you what the word of god says because you know that it is more blessed to give than to receive you already know that. And when we talk about finances and we talk about money, it just kind of uh, goes to church again talking about money. And we've never, that I remember, I mean, maybe you can remind me, but I've never come to you and says, you have to give because you have to give, you know, we are in need. We've never been in need. God's always provided. And if we don't have what we need, we just do without. And if you've been by our our facilities lately, you'll see that we've gone through a lot of renovations, not only within, not only without, but also our landscaping, parking lot, and all kinds of things that are going on. None of that has ever been uh, asked of the membership. People have given toward it, but not because I have asked for it. That's one of the things that God does to a generous church. He's blessed us beyond measure because you are generous. Because of what you have done, God has multiplied that over and over and over again. And it's just amazing on how God continues to do so. And if you ever have a chance or a time and you want to come by and talk with me, I'll share with you the testimony and the story on God's greatness and God's goodness. But ultimately, it's because of him and also because of you, because of your faithfulness, that all these things have been coming to fruition. And this is what Paul's trying to get across he says, you know, God loves you guys, especially when you give without any inhibitions, especially when you give because, you, you know, you just know that's the right thing to do. God really just pours out his love. He pours out his blessings. He pours out his life upon you. He, you bring glory to him and you make disciples and, and you become more like God when you are part of all of this is what we're going to learn here in just a bit. But let me start off in chapter 9 and I'm going to go on to verse, I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. And this is what he says. As a matter of fact, the top of my Bible, uh, above chapter 9, it states, the collection for Christians in Jerusalem. And then it reads like this. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you, to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you inexpressible gift. Father in heaven, we thank you for these words of encouragement. And as we see the benefits of being a generous giver, as we've already experienced within our own personal lives, many that have given sacrificially, willingly, have given uh, joyfully, cheerfully, as we've all given, you've given way above and beyond. We've not only witnessed it personally, but we've witnessed it corporally as a body. And so, Father, we are just waiting to see what you're going to do next. So, Father, we know that the bounty that you've blessed us with, that the blessings that you've given us, bestowed us with, it's not for gardens and it's not for windows, it's not for ceilings and and roofs and, and amphitheaters, but it is for reaching the lost. And, Father, we want to be good stewards of what you've given us, to be able to reach, proclaim your kingdom is to come, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because we know that the time is near. So father, help us to grasp this portion of scripture so that we can move on and recognize what it is that we need to be doing. So thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. As I mentioned, this portion of scripture falls in line to what we've been doing for the last several years and here's where we are and so let's go into it. Let's dive into it. Be- because you know, One of the things that many Americans have, at least uh, within their DNA, within their own life, they they know that they have, according to the Constitution the Declaration of Independence, that we have unalienable rights. The life of liberty and the the, the right of life, the right of liberty, and the the right of uh, the pursuit of happiness. You have the right to pursue this happiness, and there should be something else that should be added to that, is the way a lot of people operate within the United States, and it's the pursuit of prosperity. The pursuit of prosperity seems to be the one thing that a lot of people want to pursue after. Okay, I've got the right for life and, and happiness, and, and, and I have the, the, the liberty, but you know, I also want the pursuit of prosperity. I want to have as much as I can get. And in the process of trying to prosper in life, what we do is we hoard it, we grab it, we hold on to it. And God says, That's not the way it's supposed to be done. You want to be blessed, give it away. This is one of those paradoxes that we talk about. You want to live, you got to die. You want to be first, well, then you need to be last. And so when it comes to finances and when it comes to monies, God is not saying be careless and just throw it all away. He's not saying that. He says you need to bless other people, especially those in need, within the church, with those that you can help. And Paul is blessing another church. They're blessing the people in Jerusalem. It's the mother church. It's the founding church. And it's going through a lot of financial hardship. I mentioned a couple times already, this church, what, what's happened with the church, it's, it's exploded. People are going there. People have left their homes, left their jobs. Their jobs have been taken away more than, more than anything else because they've changed and they've converted from Judaism, a system of religion for 8,000 years, and all of a sudden, now they are professing in Jesus Christ. And so everything has changed, and they've lost their loved ones. They've lost their family. They've lost their jobs. A lot of their possessions have been taken. They have become destitute and poor, and the church is in need. And Paul recognizes this, and he says, look, I've been collecting monies from other areas, and they are willing to give, and they're giving because you guys gave. And they want to give more because you guys always are giving more. So he's saying, you know, look at these guys. Look at the Macedonians. They're giving, but they're giving because you guys gave. Now, you guys follow through in what you've promised to do. And one of the things I believe is going on here is Paul is having to remind them, because we've been talking about this and we've kind of lost sight of that a little bit, that throughout 2 Corinthians, Paul is defending his character, his honor, who he is as an apostle. They've had these Judaizers, these people that were up against Paul and, and calling him a false apostle. They were calling him, you know, saying that he, all kinds of things about him and the church was all divided and split up. And these people were trying to just ruin things. And Paul says, get rid of them. Don't listen to them. You know me. You've seen me. I'm not there to make money. These guys are trying to make money off of you guys. And so what Paul is trying to do is, you know, you guys have stopped giving. For whatever reason, I just want you to know that you guys made a promise. You said you're going to do this. So just follow through. And it's, it's amazing because we know later on when Paul talks about going to Jerusalem, that he, he went with an, a gift that was just beyond anything that anybody could think or imagine. It was just a huge gift. See, and, and so we have, to, we have to focus on who God is. We, we can't focus on what the world says. The world says you have to get, you have to keep, you have to, you have to hoard, you have to invest. Now, investing is good. Saving is great. We're not talking about all those things. But if you remember correctly, we, we pointed out that there's all kinds of evil in the world. And every one of those evils can be pointed to and can be started from the root of all evil and the root of all evil is the love of money not money itself but it's the desire to have and everything else can be associated with that desire with that wrong desire and this is how paul is saying well you want to you want to make you want to be able to be blessed you want god to bless you not only here on this planet because when god when you give and God blesses you. It's not for you to keep. It's for you to disperse. Because the more that you give, the more God blesses you. And it could be financially. It could be just with the peace of mind. But what giving does, giving is an antidote to materialism. Giving is an antidote to wanting and hoarding and greed and covetedness. And when you give, it just releases you. And we know that people give wrong wrongly. Some people give because... Well, they think that they need to. Look, Paul starts off by saying, you know, now it is superfluous. It it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me. to have been telling you this, but, you know, I need to tell you this, to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. Beloved, I brag about you guys all the time. You know, we have a very giving church. Yes, People always, you know, this is one of the questions that's been coming up since March, since this whole COVID thing happened. How are you guys doing? You know, it's like, we know that you're a very small, ch- how are you guys doing? We're being blown away. I mean, it's just amazing. And how God's people just showed up and how people are just giving. And, and I like to brag about the fact, I like to brag on God about the fact that that um, I, was, I was offered through our bank that, what is that thing called, the the PPP, loan, you know, we were offered that, and I said, "Uh, no, no, that's okay, you know, we're going to trust God, and, you know, and that was right at the beginning, and we were, I was kind of, okay, Lord, you know, it's there, it's, you know, it's, it's legit, but we opted not to do it, as a matter of fact. Uh, we were the first ones from the bank manager. Call, he called me. He says, hey, Sal, you know, here, this just came out. Sign it up. I'll get you guys up in line, and boom, we'll get it done. And he calls me a couple days later. Hey, where's that application? There's only four questions to answer. I go, yeah, okay. And I showed up the next week, and I says, you know what? We're not going to do this after all. What? He says, yeah, we're going to trust God. Okay. And, and, and the church has been generous. People have given because of who you are and your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's how it is that it's done here. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 5, look at this in your outlines or in verse 5 in your Bible. So I I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The word exaction, probably not a very good translation. The word exaction comes from the word pleonexia. Pleonexia is, is the word to consume, a consuming ambition. Or greed, exaction exaction is a gift that you somebody gives expecting something in return. I'm going to give you this, but you've got to give me something back. And in Greek, it's more related to the word greed. That's where the word greed comes from. It's, it's, very, it's to be able to, uh, to, to expect something back. Now, in your outlines, I, and this is why it's important to have various translations of your Bible, because as you see here, if you look at the word extraction or exaction, excuse me, did I say exaction or extraction? Yeah, exaction. It is exaction. The word exaction, uh, if you look at the way it was translated in the King James Bible, as a matter of bounty and not as of covetedness. It was translated as covetedness. In the New King James, uh, it's, it's translated as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And in the NIV, they translated it as, as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. You see, Paul is said, saying up ahead of time, you know, I want to send these guys up there. I want them to make sure that you understand that you, you need to give out of your heart, out of your bounty, out of what God's blessed you with. And, and even if you can't give out of your bounty, give what you can and give as much as you can because the more that you give, you know, and don't give it grudgingly. Don't give it, you know, covetously. Don't give it greedily. Don't give it as a grudging obligation. Don't give it as like, okay, I guess I better have to. You know, if you're going to do it that way, forget it. Don't even give. But there's four ways that a gift can be given. Number one is out of duty. Out of duty. You know, I, I need to give my 10% or I give give my offering. I gotta do it because this is what is expected of me. And, and and so people do that and they say, Well, okay, I'm being generous, and this is what it's it's given me. And so therefore, at the end of the year, you know, as a matter of fact, I get a good tax break, so I can use that as well. And it's kind of like people paying their taxes. They do it because they have to. And some people pay their tithes. As a matter of fact, people have come up to me sometimes. You know what? I forgot to pay my tithe. There is no payment plan here. <laughs> okay, if you give, you give ten percent. If that's what we've talked about that a little bit already, the the standard is everything. It's not ten percent. It's it's everything, and it, it's a matter of what God has placed within your heart. And some people f- feel that they have to give because well, I have to. I'm part of the leadership. I better. Uh, but most of you give because you know that you that's what God expects of you. Because God is a cheerful giver. We have to be cheerful givers. Second reason is for self-satisfaction. It's a way of feeling good. You you know, and like I said earlier, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You hear that a lot. People, you know, it's more blessed. I feel good. I felt great that I gave five bucks or two bucks. I bought somebody a hamburger because they were hungry. Or I gave a dollar to somebody that was asking for money. And it makes you feel good. I gave, you know, an offering at the plate. And so, you know, here's bucks. Yeah, you know, it's no big deal. I'm good, you know, and it makes me feel good. And and so we do it because it makes us feel good. Or another reason is because of prestige. In other words, out of pride, out out of arrogance. And as a matter of fact, if some people aren't even watching that you're giving, they won't even give. They want to make sure that other people are watching, or at least they know that you've given. This is why when Jesus said to the, the, about the poor widow that gave her two pennies, everybody else was bringing in their bags of, bags of money, and you can just hear it, and everybody would sound the trumpet, wow, look at what these guys gave, but they gave out of their abundance. It was nothing. It was minuscule compared to what they had. And the woman, she said, Jesus said that she gave it all. But the real reason to give, and the only way to give is out of love, out of love, out of compassion, out of the right way that God has given to us, that we give rightly back to him, as in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And the Bible warns us that, that we should not hold on to money that, because if, the more that we hold on to money, the more money has a hold on us. And he has a very different plan for financial soundness than the world does. It, it ha- he has a different plan than anything else. As a matter of fact, some of the verses we've already been through In Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm just going to run through these very quickly. You can write these down. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Once again, you know, if you honor God, then God blesses you so you can honor more people. And you don't have all this wine and all these. You don't have that for yourself. You can't even eat that much. You give it away or you use it. And God says that the more you do that, the more I can just burst your barns and and your vats and just give you enough for yourself and for everyone else. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and verse 25, it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. In other words, you know, when when somebody is giving, it it seems like it always comes back. But those that are holding on to it, it's like, I want more. I need more. Because that's not enough. It's never enough. Proverbs nineteen seventeen: whoever is generous to the poor leads to the, lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. Did you know that? That when you give to somebody that's in need, a brother especially, that you're actually giving it to the Lord and God replenishes you so that you can in turn do it again. I said last week that money is like a pile of manure. When you lump it all together, all it does is stink. But when you spread it out, things grow. Malachi says in 3.10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God says, you know test me. Just test me on that. And, and see that if I will not bless you above and beyond. In Luke chapter 6, he says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The point is very obvious. I mean, it's very clear that the more one gives, the more God gives back. And it's a matter of faith, especially when there's a time that, you know, God, I I just can't afford to do it. And God says, test me on this. Test Just test me on this, and you'll see how these things work. As a a young student at Cal Baptist, we were at our lowest of the low as far as financials are concerned, but we knew God always had our back. People would come over and, and bring us food, and we'd never even ask for it. We'd get checks in the mail, but one thing we never stopped doing was giving our offering, our 10%. We never stopped, and God has honored that all these years. I never lost weight. Matter of fact, I gained weight. My vat was filled. (laughs) I was filled, and my family was filled, and God provided every step of the way. And every farmer recognizes that the size of the harvest is directly proportionate to the amount of the seed that is sown. And so the farmer who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But let's look at this in verses 6 and 7. Number one. One of the things that happens, the thing. one of the things that, as the, as the title says, the benefits of grace giving. When you give gracefully, when you give because you know that that's what God has given you to do, when you do that, number one, I am loved by God. I am loved by God. Go ahead and try to figure it out if you, if you think so. I am loved by God. You know, we all know that God so loved the world, and we all know that God loves his family and his, his children, but something very special There is a a special kind of love that God gives to those that understand obedience because we're asked to give. Paul says this, the point is this. Here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God, he loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. And when you give cheerfully, when you give from the heart, not by coercion, not because somebody said you had to, not out of duty or pride or self-arrogance or, or whatever, but out of, out of love, out of cheerfulness, not reluctantly. Reluctantly means sorrowful or grief or, man, i got to give again. Man, I just gave last week. I gave last month. Every time I come here, they want me to give. They pass this off and play it around, or they put a box in the back, and, uh, and they put it right there in the middle of the door so that I can't get out until I give. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. But, you know, again, if that's the way you're going to give, it'd be best not to give at all, honestly. The word cheerful translates from the Greek word hilarios. Hilarios is the word where we get hilarious. It almost like man, 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 uh, maniac, maniac, maniac. <laughs> almost just uh, you know just giving it away just being so excited about wanting to give people were running to give in the old the old testament when paul's when uh, moses was told to tell the people okay you know i want you guys to give uh to this to the temple that we're going to be giving we're going to have a temple and, and they grabbed everything they could and they gave so much They gave gold, silver, brass, iron, clothing, purple, yarn, wood, all kinds of things. They took off earrings, nose rings, bracelets, anklets, and they gave and they gave and they gave cheerfully as they worshipped. And each one gave according to what they were blessed with. Number two, you know, when I give cheerfully, one of the benefits, another benefit is I am blessed by God. I am blessed by God. Look at this. You might have heard as I was reading this, allow just a little bit ago, but I'll do it again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You will be blessed beyond measure. As a matter of fact, Paul says, let me, let me go back into the Old Testament, the verse that I was kind of re- alluding to here just a little bit ago, as it is written. In other words, let me do some Bible study here with you guys he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. God says, you know what, all these things, I mean, it's it's amazing how Paul just uses that word, all, all, Every time, is able. Dunateo. Dunateo is where we get the word dynamite from. Is able, has the power to. He is, he is consistently able to do what it takes to keep you alive. As a matter of fact, in in Philippians chapter 4, 19, it says, And my God, what? Will supply my my needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. Not my greed, not what I want but what I need. And so, when I the benefits of grace giving, when I practice grace giving, I am loved by God. And, and you know, there's a, a, a special type of love. Oh, God loves people. He does. But He loves the generous giver, the cheerful giver. I am blessed by God. Everybody is blessed by God. Everybody gets rain, everybody gets water. Everybody. But you know, there's some things that He holds back from those that aren't His. But there's something that He gives more to those that give even more more so. And it's not for you, beloved. It's so that you can refresh others, so that others can be refreshed as well. Number three, I bring glory to God. I bring glory to God. Now you have to kind of look for this one here. It says, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of his service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. You see, when we give, we give and, and we give and we thank God because of what he's done. Through us, will produce this thanksgiving. And, and, and it produces it. Every time we give, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me the ability to give. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgiving When you give somebody something, it blesses you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability to give. But you know who else says thank you? is the person that received it. And you know what they do? They thank God. They thank God for using you to bless them. And it's, and it's a way to cause people and to continue to have people just lift up God's name and to bring glory to him. He goes on to say here, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God. They will glorify God. How do we glorify God? What does that mean to glorify God? I think one of the best ways to, to understand that is if you go to First Chronicles chapter sixteen. First Chronicles not to be cons- not to be confused with First Corinthians. First Chronicles is in the Old Testament, and it's a chronicle order of the kings. And in chapter sixteen, in verses twenty eight through thirty, it says this: Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name bring an offering and come before him worship the lord in the splendor of his holiness tremble before him all the earth. yes the world is established it shall never be moved ascribe to give to bestow upon and this word ascribe or the glory that we're supposed to give him it's not glory that he doesn't have we can't give god any more glory than what he already has but the glory first and foremost comes from me acknowledging that God is the creator and the giver of all life. And when we ascribe glory to God, to Him, it is, number one, because it's due to Him. He needs to be recognized in everything and in all things. He needs to be recognized for what He has blessed us with. And when we give, people say, thank you, thank you, Lord. They bring glory to God. Not only does it elicit this thanksgiving, but it also elicits this glory, wow, God, you know, I, I just didn't know how I was gonna do this. And then you brought this person into my life. And they blessed me, and they were able to, they were able to just be able to bless me, and they helped me, and they refreshed me. No one else deserves the praise and worship that we give to anybody else but to God. And we ascribe it to Him. Isaiah said, I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not give. I will not give my glory to another or praise to an idol. And, you know, some people say, well, thank the government or thank whatever. No, God. It is God. There was the story of this poor widow that was praying for bread and and, and uh, the next door neighbor could hear her just crying for bread and crying for bread and asking God because she was poor and the the neighbor all of a sudden in his evil thought and think, thinking you know what I'm just tired of listening to her prayer I'm just gonna give fire a piece of bread and just chuck it through the window see what she does and she he got the bread and threw it through the window and landed on her table and the woman says praise you God thank you Lord and she the man outside started laughing he said, it wasn't God it was me and she says thank you Lord for using this fool to give me bread <laughs> the bread was there because she prayed and this man was used whether it was a intention good intentions or bad intention and that's how God Operates. The reason the Israelites were able to give all of this bounty for the temple, God told them the night before the angel of death passed over, He said, Go to your neighbors and borrow things from them gold, silver, necklaces. So they went and they borrowed all these things. So what they ended up doing was that they ended up plundering the people of Egypt. And that night, the angel of death came over. Pharaoh says, Get out of here. And they had all this abundance and they went. And God used That gain of the evil people for his glory. You may have acquired something, maybe not, I'm not going out on the limb and saying go out and do some illegal activity. No, that's not what we're saying. But there are some things that our finances sometimes are attached to. When we bring it to God and we consecrate it to the Lord, it's for his glory. And God will continue to use this What is the root of all evil, this monies, that causes all kinds of evil to bring glory to himself? Another thing that we do is we bring the offering to God. We offer it to him as a part of our worship. And and this is not just the monies, but we're offering our song. This is why we sing. We're offering our service. This is why we show up. We're offering up our fellowship. This is why we gather. And unfortunately, the human race is a thankless child. We think, that we did it all on our own and god is deeply grieved and offended by those who do not want to honor him in whatever shape form or manner but on the other hand giving thanks brings glory to him and every time that there's a thanks that's going up to god because of the giving of an obedient servant it glorifies god it brings glory to god it focuses on god and it builds my faith and your faith as the giver and as the receiver. Number four, I build disciples for God. I build disciples for God. The benefit of grace giving is, is I build disciples for God. Now now look at this. While they long for you and pray for you. See, when, when people know that they're going to receive a gift, and when they, when they recognize that you're coming, and oh, thank you for the gift. You know, it, it was almost a, it's a standard. It was a standard within my family. I'm not going to say which side of the family. It's a standard within our family that every time a birthday would come, that we would get a birthday card with some money in it. Okay? So we were always looking forward to the birthday card because of the, the, the money that was in it. And we would open the birthday card right away. Well, at least I would. I uh, open up the birthday card right away, and I'd shake it upside down. And wait. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and it was... But to be honest with you, it was more the love. It's not that we needed the money. But it was the thought, it's the love, it's the attention that is given to detail, the the timing, everything else beforehand. Having to make the money order, having to go to the store, buy the stamp, get the card. And as the Corinthians were asked to give the people in Jerusalem, they were longing. Well, they weren't only longing for that. The, the relief which undoubtedly was going to happen was going to give but it was they were also longing for the prayers and they long for you and they pray for you they know that you are giving sacrificially and the people in Jerusalem are going to be praying for you and it builds disciples it builds disciples for that yearning of the fellowship for that desire to pray for others for that ministry to take place you know there was times when there have been times in the past in and this, this I learned from my previous pastor. He would people would come and want to give me a gift, a financial gift, and I would say, no, 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 you know, it's just, and, and I would tell them, you know, they wanted to come give me fifty bucks, you know, for what, you know, they didn't even ask for what. He says, don't ever, ever rob people of the blessing of giving, you know, receive it, and if you can't use it, give it away. And you know that principle has always stuck to my mind. There was one one year that we received four hundred dollars, and I says, okay, Lord, I. I I guess I can use it, but what do I use this for? And that night, night, somebody came over, I need 400 bucks for my my rent. Here you go. Same thing happened here. Somebody came up and says, you know, we need X amount of dollars. That day, that morning, somebody had come up and put $200 in my pocket. And I go, well, I guess this is for you. And, And what God does is he looks for channels, conduits, so that his grace can be poured out. And God continues to bless that individual, not for himself, but to build others. And it builds you as a disciple. It builds them as a disciple. And Paul says, and while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. You know, you want to pray for people that are giving. You want to pray for people that that you see God's grace upon them. You really want to pray for them, not so that they can give you something, so that they may be in good standing in themselves and within their community, in good health, to be able to be that vessel of grace, to be able to give in such a manner. And sometimes that's God—that's what God does. He uses individuals that are willing to part, you know, release themselves of it, not to hoard it. As a matter of fact, that was part of the discipleship process In Acts chapter 2, when the church first came together, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That is how you make disciples you build community you have a group community groups and you pray on each for each other and you pray on their behalf number five i become more like god when i give and the benefit of grace giving is i become more like god paul says in verse 15 thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift this simple concluding benediction is one of the richest statements in Scripture. Indescribable gift. What is that indescribable gift that God gave us? What is that gift that God gave us? It's so you cannot describe the love and the passion and that was poured out on the cross. You cannot describe the the, the desire for Jesus Christ. What is that passion? That, that that indescribable gift. That indescribable gift is Jesus Christ Himself. That's what He gave us. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift, his undescribable gift, this gift that is beyond anything we could think or imagine that rescued us from hell. In Isaiah chapter 9, God gave us a child. To us the son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I mean, if he gave us his son, why wouldn't he give us everything else? But when we were, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And the last verse I want to share with you is in First John chapter four. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us first, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, when we give, it makes us more like God, because God is a giver. He gave us Jesus Christ, and as I give. I become more like him. I don't become like him. I, be, I don't become a god. I become godly, which is totally different. You're not a god, but you are godly. You have the characteristics of God. And the more that you give, the more God gives you back in return. Paul was really excited about sending this letter out. He was really excited about sharing the faithfulness of the Corinthian people and how they have given before. And, and he, he was really excited about sharing with them on how the Macedonians had given and Caia they have done as well and so paul is is really just excited about sharing this with them but the next chapter in chapter 10 it takes a little bit of a different turn as a matter of fact some people believe that this might be the lost letter that he was reprimanding the people in corinth with but but it's not it's all part of the same letter and 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 he takes a different turn just very abruptly and it seems like but he comes out with the next few chapters in chapters 9 10 11 12 and 13 in 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 a way of speaking to those that he loves in a stern voice. And it might be something that we can learn from when we understand that the gift is not just the material, but the gift is sometimes the actions that we give our loved ones. We speak to our loved ones in a way that can cause some sort of change because we love them. We love them. And we don't desire for them to continue on in the path that they were going on. But in this lesson, beloved, I, I pray that you learn that we're not going to give out of duty or self gratification or prestige. We're going to give out of love. And when we, the benefits of grace giving is, is, you know, I'm loved by God and I get blessed by God and I bring glory to God and I build disciples for Jesus and I become more like God. Let me ask you to stand. As you give, remember, we don't desire for you to go in debt so that others can be more replenished we talked about that last week paul says yeah i don't want you to i don't want to make you poor and make others rich everybody can give not everybody can give the same but the sacrifice can be the same and when we give we give because well first of all god gave us and it it is that gift that reminds us that we were all sinners and so in whatever way I can, I want to be as obedient. I want to be as uh, straightforward with God, and I want to surrender all of it. That's the standard, to surrender it all, all to Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you once again for your word. I pray that we are able to take this portion of Scripture and apply it to our life today, and that we recognize the importance of giving, not only of our finances, but of our time, our talents. And of this sacrifice, this offering that we give to you to bring glory to you. When we glorify you and bring glory to you, others will be blessed as well. So Father, I thank you for giving us this love, this surpassable love, Lord, that just cannot be explained. Thank you once again for this time. We thank you and we bless you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen and amen. Let me... Uh, Read to you, out of Numbers chapter 6, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine to you, upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We have God's countenance and God's peace on you this week. Amen. Amen. All right, we are dismissed.